0: But anyway, um, I'd like to welcome you to the uh, second session. Um, Professor Fekete is going to speak on gold backwardation as implications in certain parts of the market and um, we will hold the questions for the end uh, before our next break and uh, I'd like to welcome again Professor Antal Fekete. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, my title is Implications of Gold backwardation. Uh, originally there was a reference to the gold mining industry, but uh, I decided to widen the uh, the net. I want to catch the interest of those also who are not uh, direct participation, direct participants of the gold mining industry. Backwardation. John John Maynard Keynes, the father of um, mainstream economics, or at least one of the fathers, because there is also the other one, Milton Friedman, but John Maynard Keynes was the first. He wrote a book on, with the title of The Treatise of Money. It's a two-volume work, and it was first published in 1930. And in this book he talks about normal backwardation. Now the word backwardation was of course in currency because the uh, futures market existed in agricultural commodities they originated in the 19th century. Uh, I think Chicago was one of the uh, pioneers. And uh, people noticed that uh, trading agricultural commodities follows a cycle, an annual cycle, which follows the crop year. As the crop is moved, and think of uh, grain crops, say wheat or corn. As the crop moves into the elevators, the backwardation goes into the opposite, contangle. Now, Rudy already explained the meaning of the word backwardation and contango. Let me just briefly repeat that the Futures market gives you quotes for futures contracts for different months, which means deliveries to be made at such and such a future date. So The uh, question then arises, how is the future price related to the cash price? Or sometimes it's called the spot price. And they noticed that it could be at a premium, which is called the contango, or it could be at a discount, which is called backwardation. And Keynes, who was an extremely superficial thinker (laughs) (laughs) to say uh, to put it it mildly. Thank you. never really studied the question of backwardation and contango in any great detail. He just followed his own idea and he said that after all, what this thing is about is the speculators are enlisted to take over the risk from the producers. In other words the harvest is brought in and it will be consumed during the next crop year so there's a risk involved namely the price risk the price may rise which is good for the producer but it could also drop and if the price of the say, wheat or corn drops this could wipe out all the Profits and even make losses for the producer, so the producer is looking around how he can sh- share this risk with somebody. Mm-hmm. So he thinks. Keynes uh, thought that well, the speculator is the is the obvious candidate. So the producer, the farmer who brought in the uh, crop offers an inducement as it were offers to pay an insurance premium to the speculator if he would buy the crop and then the risk is transferred the farmer is no longer exp- exposed to the danger of a falling price. And if you carry this train of thought, you will realize that this means that the inducement to the speculator is that he buys the contract at a, at, at a discount. So in other words, there is a backwardation because the future price is going to be lower than the cash price. And he just left it there without any, any further analysis. And this is just the exact opposite of what is happening because in effect what is happening is that there is a middleman. It's not just the producer and the consumer but there's a middleman who is called the warehouseman. And the warehouseman is in the business of carrying the entire crop for the crop year until the next crop is brought in. and He's making a market. He's buying the cash and selling the future or vice versa depending on market conditions and he has to we pay the profit. He's not a speculator. He's just the opposite of a speculator. The speculator is in this market for the quick killing. He is not investing in warehousing facilities. He's not investing in developing outlets or distributor uh, network. He is just buying a future contract if he expects the price to rise, and selling it if he expects to the future price to fall, and he even sells the future contracts naked, and this term doesn't mean naked in the literal sense of the word. It means that he does not have, he is not the owner of the supply which he's selling, He's just selling because he expects to cover his short position when the market goes in his favor, or if it goes against him, then he would suffer a loss, but only to the extent of the difference between the cash price and the future price. So the important thing is that the three main protagonists of the drama of Supplying the world with food, in this case, the producer, the consumer, and the middleman who is the warehouseman. And this is not only a legitimate business but a most important business because the producer is specializing in producing and improving conditions for the production. Uh, and then he wants to find somebody who will be willing to carry that uh, supply and sell it over a period of whole year. And the speculator also has a legitimate role but it's quite different from what Keynes said that he's insuring taking over the risk and he pockets the insurance premium. This is not at all the case. The speculator is necessary to make the market liquid. In other words, the producer can sell forward on an instant. He doesn't have to look for and and wait maybe days, weeks or months to find a buyer. The speculator is always there to buy at a price. So without speculators, the market would be, uh, would be exposed to frictions and it would not be smooth and you, neither the producer nor the consumer could take it for granted that whenever the need arises he can buy or he can sell at an instant. And, and this is a great service and as I say the speculator is playing an important role, but not the most important role because the warehouseman is far more important. Because the, uh, people have to eat whether they are speculators or no speculators. Speculators do have, but the middleman is absolutely essential to have a smooth flow of grain from the producer to the market. So Keynes made a huge blunder, not the only one. Unfortunately. <laughs> another, and this is just by the way, because that's not my topic here. But another huge blunder he made was the famous uh, phrase he introduced. He introduced the concept of wheat rate of interest, gold rate of interest, corn rate of interest, copper rate, it's completely false concept there is just no, uh, I mean the the tremendous misunderstanding of gold is that to talk about as if uh, it would be possible to have any other commodity but gold serve as money. The big thing about gold is, of course, the tremendous uh, uh, over-the-ground supply of gold which exists. Gold is not being consumed the same way as other commodities. So the stock-to-flow ratio of gold is a, a, a large number. Nobody knows exactly what it is, but some people estimated the low end at 60, which means that 60 years of gold production at present rate of output would be necessary to replace the existing above-ground gold supplies. Now, some other people would put this number higher and would say 80, and I've seen estimates even a one, say 100, that's the high end. So it would take a century to replace the existing gold if you uh, carry down for a hundred years at the same uh, uh, constant rate of production we have presently. So whatever it is, it's a large number. Now if you take something like copper, you would not only <clears throat> not have a large number but you would have a small fraction. It, it could be just one third. Uh, in other words, it is three months or four months supply which the warehouses in the world have of copper. Because the copper is being consumed so it's like hand to mouth Whereas in the case of gold, it's backed up. Now if the warehouse stockpiles of copper was anything near what gold is, the copper would be practically free like water is, because there is this economic law called the marginal utility. And for copper and for all the other commodities, with the exception of the two monetary commodities, gold and silver, the marginal utility is declining pretty fast. Whereas for gold and silver, they are practically constant. Let's not quibble about it, whether it's constant or declining at the slowest rate, which uh, exists in comparison with the others. But the fact is that the marginal product, the marginal uh, uh, marginal utility, Utility. Utility. (laughs) marginal utility, Utility. sorry about that, (laughs) the marginal utility of gold is pretty constant, whereas all the others decline fast and that is the reason why gold has become the fundamental reason why gold has become money and the others even if they were tried out as money, as a matter of fact copper was tried out and iron was tried out in, uh, in Sparta, for example, there were iron bars and they were used as as money, but they didn't stand up to the wear and tear. Marginal utility was declining and that is of course something you cannot have when it comes to money. Uh, Let's not ask the question, what's the marginal utility paper? paper. (laughs) (laughs) Too embarrassing. So, uh, again, this is just a remark which I mentioned, by the way, the other blunder of Keynes was that he talked about wheat rate of interest, copper rate of interest, which is completely uh, a complete misunderstanding. So, there it is. There is no such thing as normal backwardation, which The Gospel according to John Maynard Keynes says that it is the explanation of the futures market. Complete misconception. However, there is such a thing as normal contangle which, and this is not in Keynes, this is what we are, our Gospel, which we are writing as I speak. Normal contango means that the future price of the commodity is at a premium relative to the uh, the cash price, to the spot price. In the case of gold, the future quotation of the future contract, the future price, is at a premium. There is a limit to that, which is known as the carrying charge, but this is technical, just forget it. The uh, good substitute would be the rate of interest, which is what you have to... uh, It's an opportunity loss which uh, you have if you buy the future and carry it to maturity. So the point is this. The warehouseman will not carry the supply in his warehouses unless he is guaranteed an income, and that income is the contango, the premium which he collects as he sells the future contract and, and replaces it with cash gold in inventory. Now. Uh, this is something very new in historical terms, because, as I explained in the previous talk this morning, um, in, in, before 1971 there were no future markets in gold, uh, as we know it today. There, there was no standard contract, future contract uh, deliverable in 100 ounce gold bars, and and there was no experience with this so only very few economists bothered to look into this and see that the gold future market is a premium market it's uh, what you can also call a contango market uh, that is the normal contango So forget about normal degradation. It's not normal at all. Contangle you can interpret as an indicator showing that there are healthy supplies in the warehouseman inventory. And you can count on this inventory that it will always be available at a price. This is why the warehouseman carries the inventory. Now, on the other hand, backwardation in the case of gold would be an abnormal condition because we know that gold exists above the ground. What has been mined historically, by and large, is still available. So it would be a contradiction in terms to say that gold is at backwardation because this means that all of a sudden all the gold which be, exists above ground disappeared no longer available to the market could this ever happen? Well, sad to say it could because the governments have a wonderful invention according to Ben Bernanke called the printing press which could flood the world with dollar bills at. practically zero cost to the government. And when the government goes all out and prints the dollars, then gold will just disappear. I am one of those who do not believe in price of gold going to infinity. That's not what is going to happen. What is going to happen is That from one day to the next, gold will not be available in exchange for paper dollars at any price, just like it happened in Zimbabwe. The Zimbabwe dollars. I mean, it doesn't make to say that it will take infinite amount of Zimbabwe dollars to buy gold because gold is simply not available in exchange for Zimbabwe dollars, period. And exactly the same thing will happen uh, to the U.S. dollar. So this idea of gold going uh, through uh, zigs and zags to infinity is is not a, a, a valid model. I think it will be an, an absolute surprise to market participants when they just wake up one day and the gold futures market disappeared. Because nobody will exchange uh, gold for dollars anymore. Now, I, this doesn't mean that you can expect this to happen this year or next year or any definite time in the future. We don't know how it will happen but I think this idea of gold going to 2,000 and then 5,000 and 10,000 and then 30,000 is is, uh, a very uh, unrealistic model in my view and I can back it up with an argument. Not now, but if you're interested, we'll have opportunity to talk about that too. What happens is that there will be a tug-and-war between paper and gold. But it doesn't mean that gold will accelerate in price and, and then go through these quotations of tens of thousands of dollars. I, I don't see that i see that the dollar paper dollar will fight back and it will hold its way and and only yield bits and pieces the territory is not going to be given up just bits and pieces and then it would retake and so on and then one day when the smallest number of people accept it expected it, you will realize that gold is no longer available, period. If you like to say it. the price is infinite, fine, but that doesn't mean anything. The fact is that gold is not available in exchange for paper dollars. And of course other paper currencies which we have today, including the euro, the yen, the Swiss franc, will follow suit. Because if nobody is selling gold for paper dollars, then it won't take long before they deny to exchange uh, gold for paper Swiss francs or whatever. So that's my view. And this is, the uh, there is a measure for that, how close we are to this. It's not a very precise measure, but it's the best measure we have uh, up to now, is the basis. Because the basis is that difference between the future price and the cash price. If it's positive, we have contango. A top, uh, upper limit of that is, is the uh, roughly the rate of interest. If contango, the premium on the future approximates the rate of interest. We are talking about a full uh, contango. Uh, that it won't go higher than that. A premium is limited by the carrying charge, which by and large is the same as the rate of interest. And I'm not going to go into the argument. relatively simple argument will convince you that there is an upper limit to the to the contangle, which is the carrying charge. Now, by contrast, there is no lower limit limiting the uh, backwardation. In other words, if the contango disappears and the future price falls relative to the cash price, that means a shortage, first only a shortage and ultimately a complete disappearance of the offers to sell gold. And that's backwardation. And you might ask, okay, what is the measure? Well, the measure is simply the difference between the future price and the cash price. If it's positive, you have contango. If it's negative, you have backwardation. And if you ask the question, is that backwardation limited? In other words, can the basis be a negative number without any limit, the answer is there's no natural limit. It could fall and in fact that is what would happen. Because what people in the market understand very well is that the backwardation gives you a good idea of the immediately available supply of gold to the cash market. So a negative basis of backwardation means that the supply is drying up. There is fewer, ever fewer offers to sell, and ever more uh, bids to buy. And the backwardation is a very sensitive indicator, which shows that. And I admitted that I made a mistake already last year when I said that this cannot be falsified that the basis cannot be manipulated. Now I have to take it back and admit that it can be because there are ways to uh, twist the hands of those holders of future contracts who gave notice that they want to take delivery. Most contracts expire and people take profits and say goodbye, I'm happy, I'm just uh, going to the bank and laugh all the way way to the bank. But there are always a uh, few smart guys who say no, I'm going to keep this now, I'm taking delivery and I'm not interested in paper profits anymore because they are for the birds. I'm interested in solid stuff. I want to have my gold. More and more people do that, then this will create backwardation and the basis will go negative and there is no limit to this. But it won't last very long because once this, what I call, permanent backwardation establishes itself, Then people in the market will understand very well that this is a cumulative uh, process. In other words, this does not have any kind of self correcting feature. The more backwardation there is, the more people get scared and they will demand more and more gold until the backwardation becomes permanent and that's the end of the futures market, and that's coming. And some people say, and I'm not one of them, but I cannot ignore their opinion, that this is already happening, it's just papered over by various bribes, bribes which are offered to the holders of those uh, maturing future contracts uh, whose owners have given notice that they want delivery at the expiry and uh, the shorts got together and they just look around and say well we haven't got it so we have to settle with these guys and they tell them that look we are willing to prepare up to 25% premium if you settle in cash in paper so you take back your notice and will pay you. So, in other words, they pay a bribe and the bribe is another way of reflecting the backwardation. So, uh, as I say, this is already being rumored that this is going on right now. I have no direct access to the market and I cannot confirm that, in fact, what I, what little uh, Access I have to information on that would show the contrary. In other words there is just no uh, no sign of backwardation in this sense and if uh, people have sold uh, gold futures they have certainly the ways and means to make delivery if, if that's what's demanded. So uh, any a sign of backwardation, which happened, for example, at the end of last year, and it may happen again, uh, is for the time being. We must say it's like hiccup; it's uh, uh, friction in the delivery mechanism, which is not perfect. Nobody pretends that it is, but it's there. And uh, any serious money that wants to buy gold, cash gold, can get it presently. So we are not yet at this uh, stage which I called in some of my articles, I used the phrase, the last contango in Washington. Now You might recall the film, the last tango in Paris. (laughs) so I just thought that the last contango in Washington is a perfect way to describe what's going on now we are not yet there but we are going in that direction because if you look back to the last 40 or so years the the nation in gold is, is coming and that's show, that is shown by the vanishing of the gold basis. In 1971 there was a very healthy uh, premium the full carrying charge uh, the premium on the gold futures relative to the cash price and over the years, with ups and downs, it has been eroding. It has been eroding. Now, what you are really interested in is not the absolute number of the premium, but it's the percentage of that premium in terms of the rate of interest. So, Because you see, the rate of interest as it changes would have an immediate effect on on the future price, because the bulk of the carrying charge is the interest, the foregone interest. Which, If you buy the gold, you lose the interest income. And therefore the interesting number to watch is not the basis per se, but the percentage which the basis represents in terms of the rate of interest. So one hundred percent means that the uh, the basis is uh, is uh, equivalent to the full carrying, uh, to the um, to the actual rate of interest, and of course there are lots of rates of interest, so we have to be more precise. And it's the Libor, it's the London offered rate uh, for sh- very short-term uh, borrowing. So, starting from that very healthy, very hefty uh, premium over this thirty-some uh, years, or forty years, it has gone to pretty well zero because the interest rate itself is pretty well zero but of that of course the basis will be a small part so that's what we are talking about that's what you should watch if you want to uh, get some advanced idea about the last contango in Washington meaning the Federal Reserve uh, board which has its, its uh, Office in Washington on Constitution Avenue, but I just talk about the paper mill on the Potomac, which is yeah. an apt it's description good. of what's going yeah. on. And I also like the phrase, the last contango in Washington. Uh-huh. Paper mill at the top, <laughs> that's good. All right. Now, so to my mind, Permanent backwardation in gold is coming. It's, the only way it could be averted is if the government would declare that they are going to fix the value of paper currency in terms of gold, and that's not going to happen, unfortunately. So we are going to going through this agony of watching paper money die day after day after day, from one setback to another, but there will be reversals. And uh, and, uh, this process is continuing, and the gold basis is still a valid indicator, but we have to refine the concept, obviously, and we are working on that. I uh, make this commitment here and my friends, and you will hear more about this from uh, Sandeep and others, uh, that we are going to disclose the results of our research. Part of it is theoretical, part of it is empirical, but uh, we are trying to find the right explanation for everything What happens in the market. We are very careful because these things, the results of our research, have to be double checked. So we are not going to make immediate releases of uh, something. Because, But the com- commitment we make here is that if we come back next year, To Canberra number three, then of course we'll bring you up to date again. And uh, and, uh, if any uh, abnormal thing happens, we are going to do our very best to try to explain it. All right. Now I will say a few things uh, about the gold mining industry which is of course a very important part of the Australian economy but it also is very important for instance in China which uh, from nowhere came uh, with a vengeance and all of a sudden it's the greatest gold producer (laughs) nobody would have predicted that ten years ago but it's happening and uh, and that's very important because China uh, the communist government allows its citizens to own gold. In fact, the encourages. government of China encourages yeah. citizens because they, it's very wise. It it's, uh, shows the extent of change in thinking. If the people are prosperous, then the government cannot help but be prosperous too. So please compare it with Lenin, the father of communism, Who said that when communism wins worldwide, then gold will be put to the use it deserves, which means that the public urinals will be gold plated because this is just the best kind of control of bad odors? But he did say, he did say that, yes. and ever since this was parroted by various communist uh... theoreticians like, well, like Friedman. but <laughs> well, i'm glad to say that the chinese government at least in this respect disowned lenin because they are not talking about gold plating public urinals they are talking about encouraging people to have gold and silver so this shows the direction and when the very large number of people who live in China and they uh, become more prosperous as we all hope they will then of course they will take a leaf out of the uh, book of the Indian people in India and they will become also the, a sink for the gold market. So if people like Friedman, Keynes and other uh, smart guys like Ben Bernanke uh, start disparaging gold of uh, Paul Krugman, Uh, uh, latest, uh, most recent uh, uh, Nobel Prize laureate, then people will give them a proper answer. They will hold gold even more uh, with more gusto than before. So that's what's happening. The gold is still in the process of vanishing and this will not turn around until the the governments can restore a semblance of uh, uh, confidence in their policies but so far there's no sign that they are even thinking of doing that I was invited to attend uh, a conference which the other Nobel Prize Winner Bob Mandel, a Canadian by birth, but he has been professor Economics at Columbia University in New York City. Uh, he uh, bought a, a palazzo in in a small place in Italy called Santa Colomba. that's near Siena, an old uh, city and uh, in in italy very pretty and the palazzo is also very pretty. There's one problem with it that it's useless in the winter because the vast walls are just too cold and there's no way to heat this. It's huge. But anyhow the conference took place and I was uh, invited by Bob and I'm very grateful to that. I took the opportunity I did not speak at the conference. I could have, because, you know, there's no uh, limit on the the opportunity. I just thought that I would rather put my thoughts in writing, and I circulated three papers uh, at the conference. One of them was an open letter to Paul Volcker, who was also attending (laughs) the conference uh, the, uh, you, I don't have to yeah. tell you Paul Walker is a, uh, predecessor of uh, Alan Greenspan and ben Bernanke, but he was the one who defused the gold crisis of 1979. There was another the, the first gold crisis, uh, we'll say the middle of 1960s, 1965 Okay, and then, uh, about 14, 15 years later, there was a second one. A huge eruption in the gold price going over $800. And uh, Paul Walker was in charge of the Fed, and what he did was he uh, put the Fed upside down. He said that so far, we were following the, uh, the interest rate, uh, as far as monetary policy was concerned, we discarded it, and He just allowed the interest rate to go sky high, which it duly did in a matter of weeks. And uh, at that time, the debt crisis in the US was not as serious as it was, but the banking system got mortally wounded. Because as you probably know, the banking system strives on low and falling interest rates and the interest rate erupts that is uh, an irreversible wound which the banking system suffers and that's uh, the start of the huge uh, the big American banks uh, started hemorrhaging and this is still continuing Well, anyhow Paul Walker's medicine was a very strong medicine extremely strong it did work uh, uh, at the time for the time being but now today it's an entirely different situation I I see papers on the internet can the Paul Walker miracle work again The question makes no sense because it cannot possibly work under the present condition when the debt crisis reached the present stage. Uh, In comparison, the United States was in a very strong financial position in 1979, 1980. And ever since, the interest rates peaked. They peaked out in, say, 1982. Has been a constant erosion all the way down to zero. As far as the short-term You're right. interest, absolutely right, uh, starting from well over twenty percent, twenty-two percent is the largest I recall, was in nineteen eighty-two. It has been falling steadily and hit practically zero. Now, as far as the uh, long-term interest rate is concerned is a different story but still the feature of constant erosion is there and uh, it's still continuing it means it's it's an uh, it's abnormal because you would expect that the bond market or the market in us treasury issues is weak under the present circumstances gold price at all time high and the uh, rate of interest at all time low, and, and, and the U.S. Treasury market is still prospering. This is an uh, anomalous situation, ab- absolutely abnormal, and it has to be explained. And I, I am suggesting it to you that the explanation is that the. Uh, that uh, the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee, which is the engine of monetizing government debt, is offering f- risk free profits to bond speculators. Now you have to think uh, about this. Uh, it's not something you immediately understand, but the fact is that. The speculators are much, much smarter than the central bankers. And that's natural selection. Dar- <laughs> Charles Darwin. <laughs> the the bank speculators is putting up his own money when he takes a risk in, yeah. in, in the markets. Mm. Now a central banker had, has, just as Ben Bernanke said, the government gave them a printing press. Yeah. They don't risk one penny of their salary but they can risk the taxpayer money in putting up all kinds of bets. Mm. The craziest bets they don't have to suffer the bad consequences. So that's natural selection. I mean, those speculators in bonds who survived, because a lot of them were wiped out, don't make the mistake to assume that every speculator has to have a textbook and just learn it, and then goes and speculates and he's all right ever after. That's not the way it goes. A lot of them fell by the wayside. But those who survived are extremely smart, natural selection. And, as a consequence, they know what's happening. They look around and they size up the situation that's what they say. In order for the money supply to increase, the, the Federal Reserve has to go into, bond, into the bond market and buy the Treasury issues in some cases that will be the only bid I have I've read yeah. uh, papers in, on the internet I don't uh, vouch for their accuracy but there are people who very seriously suggest that certain treasury issues were taken up by the Fed 100 percent. Why? Because there were no other bids or the other bids were lower. So that's also an indication so what these speculators do is they look around and say the government has absolutely no choice they want to increase the money supply that means taking a trip to the bond market and buy the bonds so all we have to do is to stalk them to follow their footsteps Or even if you can do that with a little bit of inside information or even without it, you can anticipate what the next move of the Fed will be and beat the Fed to it. We buy first and then we'll turn around and pass on the bonds to the uh, Federal Reserve at a surcharge and that's our pocket and it's risk free. Because we know that has to happen, as day follows night, the Fed has to make has to answer nature's urge, <laughs> and go to the bond market <laughs> the to monetize market. <laughs> yeah. to monetize the government debt, and that's exactly what is happening. So as long as the merry-go-round, go the music is still on, they can. Play that game, and they are very, very good at it. The demand speculators, and it's it's not possible to predict how long this situation will continue. But it it will continue. We are not nearly close to the music being stopped suddenly, but it's coming. So when. The speculators have a risk-free ride to riches because the uh, this is uh, this also shows the absolutely uh, imbecile idea of Keynes that all it takes is to monetize government that and everything. I mean, the idea that giving. This risk-free profit to speculators is working, it has worked so far and it will keep working for so... but it will not keep forever, it will keep working forever and and that's the end game. We are now in the end game and we just have to have the different uh, indicators such as the gold basis and Um, uh, in the bond market, the various interest rate differentials and so on. And a very important thing is, not just the absolute number, the interest rate basis, gold basis, silver basis, but the derivatives. And the word derivative has been completely prostituted by the (laughs) derivative market. So I use the more professional mathematical term differential quotient, which basically a measure of the rate of change. So you are not so much interested in the absolute level of the gold basis or absolute level of interest rates, but in their changes, up or down. and plot plot this change and, and do the same kind of analysis as you would do if you were a scientist studying the rate of change in temperature or uh, ultraviolet radiation or what have you. And that's the work which has to be done. And it's being done. And uh, the difference between us and the rest of the <laughs> communities that we are willing to share this information with we are not trying to keep other cards too close to our chest because our purpose is to uh, make uh, make the uh, uh, fruits of our research uh, available to the community at large whereas uh, various hedge funds and other research institutes, some of them headed by Nobel Prize uh, laureate economists, like this uh, sure. capital m- management. Yeah, uh, long three, term, yeah. three guys went belly-up, and, uh, you know, they weren't willing to share any of the information, but they suffered for it, because they were wiped out. So anyhow, uh, we uh, who want to carry on this kind of research, and uh, we are very much encouraged by the people. I mean, a year ago, if you looked up the internet, you wouldn't find a blog where the word backward, basis, yeah. the, the word uh, gold basis was mentioned. Yeah. And now there are several blogs uh, which uh, have a, uh, an open discussion on the gold basis on backwardation and uh, trying to interpret things and this is very encouraging because we took the initiative, we were the first one and and there's still no other forum anywhere in the world but what we have here in Canberra where we have a program which we started year ago and we are continuing going on to Canberra number three next year and in the meantime of course the research continues. So where does the gold mining industry? Where are we? Time. No. Where does the gold mining industry come into that? Well, historically, I think it's fair to say that the gold mining industry has always been in the hawk to the banks. So they are not; they have never been free agents, as far as I can see. As an industry, industry as a whole, they were in the hawk. They were financed by the banks, and uh, they were following the directives which the banks gave them. You get the loan if you do this and this and this. And one of the bad directives the banks gave them was that you have to sell your your gold forward, which is. Uh, Uh, a good strategy as far as the gold price is going down. But this completely ignores the possibility of a reverse so that the gold price uh, goes up, never to look back, Mm -hmm. which happened any number of times in history. It happened uh, as far as the US dollar is concerned. It happened in 1933 when uh, Roosevelt uh, devalued the dollar. By 1934 the gold price increased from twenty about $20 an ounce to 35 And then this was good for another 35 years in 1971. Nixon uh, closed the gold window which is a euphemism for defaulting on the international gold obligations of the United States government. And then the gold price was never fixed. Actually, it was fixed for a very short brief period at $42.22. Imagine the smart guys who figured this $0.22, where it has come. But they said, okay, the market gave us a signal we have to devalue the uh, the uh, Dollar, so we decrease the gold content of the U.S. dollar from 35, we, uh, we increase the gold price from 35 to 42.22 dollars, which has become the price at which the U.S. Treasury refused to sell gold so it it was completely (laughs) mythical because it didn't mean that the US Treasury would exchange uh, paper dollars for gold at that rate but okay and after that no more talk about fixing the gold price and uh, I think we are as I suggested already at the point where the end game has started now the gold mining industry has gone through phases and I'm not here to analyze these phases, but, but in spite of the tremendous increase of the gold price from twenty dollars an ounce to one thousand plus per ounce, which is 50, what is it, fifty times yeah. Yeah, 50 times increase, and not in so many years, because we have to go back to 1933, gold at the beginning of the Roserat administration was $20 an ounce roughly. So, okay, you might expect that the gold mining industry benefited tremendously with that kind of price increase. and that was not reversible, I mean once gold went up in price it, it pretty well stayed apart from minor fluctuation. Now that's not what happened the gold mining industry got deeper and deeper in, in this kind of quicksand because they had a suicidal policy they were willing to sell gold at the new high price Just say, that's wonderful, we have this profit. And now if you think back that in 1969, the gold mining industry was selling gold at $35, and then the market went haywire in 71 after the U.S. default. But well, wasn't it stupid for the gold mining industry to sell gold at $35 an ounce in those years? And they were doing it. They were increasing their outputs. In other words, they shifted their grade upwards. You see, a gold mine has to be thought of as an inventory of different grades of ore, high content and low content. And um, it would, would have been natural for the gold mining industry to go after the marginal grade, the lowest grade which still yields a profit. If you go any lower, then you are already making a loss. Now, they couldn't survive as business making a loss, but to expand the highest The richest ore to supply this paper uh, craze, which is going, was absolutely suicidal. And it's still going on. And that that explains why the gold mining industry is not a free agent. They are playing that paper game, and that means their own destruction and of course at uh, the extreme is the world's largest uh, gold mining concern is Barrick which uh, at one point went out and they bragged about it fifteen years into the future to sell their gold production, you know, the, the, which looks absolutely crazy not just in retrospect but I, I told them at the time in person I went to see uh, Jamie Sokalski, who was at that time the chief financial officer, he got promoted because he brought in this crazy idea of what they call hedging. Well, it's not hedging at all. It's just the worst kind of um, uh, killing your resources. The, the uh, uh, goose which is going to lay the gold mine. So that is uh, the brief uh, d- description of the history of gold mining is can- they would be in a wonderful position to take the gold basis and take it as their clue to vary the grade which they are going after. If the gold basis suggests that they should go to the lower grain, they shouldn't care about paper profits. They, they are the par excellence candidates to carry their book in gold units. And they don't do that. They carry their books in dollar units, paper units, which is meaningless. And they are expanding their very precious gold ore reserves in support of this paper game which is going to end badly as we all know. So there is no hope. There is no hope that the gold mining industry will uh, straighten its back and say we'll be behaving upright from now on and we are going to protect the shareholders interest. They are just selling it out as if this was just chips well i uh, i'm sorry to say that i wish i could say something more encouraging and i'm not referring to the australian gold mining industry simply because i don't know enough about it but i, I would be quite surprised if uh, i saw any if if somebody told me that there was some initiative that the australian gold mining industry would uh, pay attention to gold basis. So one of the things which I was hoping would come out of this uh, seminar is that the Australian gold mining industry would pay attention to what we are talking about here. So please let me know <laughs> if this is happening, and I will be very very happy if uh, uh, a meaningful uh, discussion. Now I promise time for uh, for. Uh, questions and answers. So, this uh, I don't know how much time we have for 25 five minutes. Five minutes. We'll do five minutes for questions and answers. Take it from the floor, and we could continue later. Yeah. yeah, yes, Louis. Okay, Professor, what your view of uh, gold mining companies, let's say a particular gold mining company, be as negative if they don't have any debt or if they don't have anything to do with the banks? Because obviously part of your rationale for, I think, what you're saying, that gold mining companies are because they are, because the banks control it. What if the company doesn't have any debt? Uh, I'm not against that per se. That could be a a, a valid uh, management tool to... uh, improve the financial position of the gold mining concern. What I'm saying is that in a falling interest rate environment for the gold mining industry to carry debt which is not gold-based but paper-based is, is absolutely suicidal because they are destroying their own capital without knowing it and they are the best placed of all the industries or enterprises in the world to avoid that trap because other enterprises suffer from the same uh, problem that under a falling interest rate structure they are destroying their capital but the gold mining industry could make an announcement Today, and say from now on, we carry our, our books in gold units. So, we don't care if, if uh, the books show losses in paper dollar terms. The important thing for us is that we show profits in gold terms. And if they did that, that would change the whole landscape overnight. But they are not doing that, they are not even considered. Doing it and and that is suicidal. So to take on that with uh, falling interest rate structure is is something they should avoid, and not just they but any other business. And they are not doing it. I don't know if this answered your question. Yes. I yeah. uh, just make the, the point that very few Australian companies um, have any forward sales anymore they haven't had that for quite some time. Um, There are occasional companies uh, which have taken what are called gold loans, where they basically, they borrow the gold, sell the gold, and um, pay the gold lease rate, which is a very low interest rate, obviously, and we pay that loan in gold. Um, Some of them are done in the forward markets, um, but many of them are done in the option markets now, where, where people are, Buying puts to to cover um, any exposure, and, and that's just for development of new mines. But uh, it, it, there's there's very very little um, in the Australian market at the moment. It's for forward sales. He says, saying that the Australian uh, gold mining industry is doing very little forward head forward sales anymore, they're moving to other methods of uh, financing exploration. Uh, well, Barrick is doing the same. <laughs> so they, uh yeah. I mean that was a complete failure. This uh, this uh, idea of, of hedging. Hmm? They have yeah they have bottom ball bags. Yeah, we have um, when I was.